Hey, I'm Sailor. It's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey, and no one's gonna save you from the beast about to strike. All right, so for the listeners that might be new to this show, I am not Jake. But we sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, usually argue, and very professionally debate the merits. And in the end, only one album or artist reigns supreme. That's right, Matt. And tonight, well, we won't be doing that. But for very good reason. Tonight is a very special night because it's Halloween. Yay! Yes, it is, Ed. So we decided that tonight we would discuss some of our favorite urban legends and some of our songs from Halloween and scary movies. Hey, you guys, where the hell is Jake? Where is Jake? Um, Anybody I don't know. know. I think he was uh, researching a story for the Metal Rock and Whiskey News over the weekend and he just kind of disappeared. Oh, huh. shit. I think he lost track of time. Oh. I think he's so deep into his research, he just... Is researching right through our recording. Well, um, hey, did you guys tell him that we're recording on Monday night instead of Wednesday night? Oh, crap. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. I don't know. I'm kind of picturing him running through a field somewhere in Michigan with the chainsaw massacre <laughs> guy chasing him. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Jake, wherever you are, we miss you tonight, as we always do when you're not here. Uh, so, guys, let's first talk about what we're all drinking tonight, and then I believe you, Ed, do have the whiskey segment. Yes, I do. All right. So- but I am also drinking um, something that's not part of my whiskey segment. Oh, do tell. Okay, this this is an interesting story. Let me set this up. So, a couple of years ago, I when I was first getting into bourbon... I had a bottle of Buffalo Trace uh, whiskey. I didn't really care for it. Finished the bottle. Wasn't too impressed. Um, fast forward another another year or so, year and a half, I buy a bottle of Eagle Rare. Definitely not a fan of that. But come to find out later, as we've talked about before, that, was, that bottle was off, as confirmed by our own sailor. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Let me go back, give that give Buffalo Trace another chance. It's been a couple of years. Um, you know, everyone keeps talking about how good it is. So I went and bought myself another bottle. Um, so that's what I have here tonight. Um, initially, I opened it up, had a taste. I mean, it was okay. Didn't blow my socks off. Came back to it later. So I'm back to it again. And like, hmm. This is interesting. Something's going on. I think this is starting to grow on me. Because all of a sudden, it's like, I'm really starting to dig this. Yeah, buddy. There you go. Some, so, sometimes patience is your best friend. Well, remember, we yeah. ta- we've talked yeah. about this on the show that it can, when I open a new bottle, something that I haven't had before, haven't had in a long time, I take days and many times trying it before I make a decision. Because it could just, we've talked about this, like it could just be in that moment, your palate's off, uh-huh. or you've eaten something that day, you've got allergies or a cold, or just wasn't the right conditions. You know, it right. happens. So never mm-hmm. never give up on your bottle. Give it, you got to give it many chances. Right. But since it's been open, I'm finally starting to pick up on some of the caramel notes. Um, little, the, the corn, I can definitely taste the corn in there. Um, some... It's very got the some sweetness and a little bit of the um, taste of the barrel char, but overall it's you know I I hear the na- the term balanced thrown around a lot about this and I can see why people um, like to call it that because yeah it is uh, you know good balance of all the different flavors so yeah Buffalo Trace and I am enjoying it awesome, awesome. yeah and just remember that Eagle Rare was an was an anomaly. So totally. it's not that it's not that you don't like the mash bill. It's just like Sailor said, yeah. yeah, definitely something off with the bottle. 
Yeah, for sure. So, Cell, are you drinking anything tonight, or are you abstaining? I, I am abstaining right now. I had a hot toddy about an hour ago because I didn't have much of a voice. I got sick over the weekend, and I'm still struggling. So I am drinking water at the moment. But for my hot toddy, um, I used uh, my Wild Turkey Rare Breed because I really like the sweetness in there. And when I'm not feeling good, I want something... I just want all the comforting things, and Rare Breed is my comfort. It's like my blanky bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah. if, any, if any of you listeners come down with a cold, reach out to Sailor because her hot toddies are the best. Oh, yeah. Are the best, yes. Thanks. Yes. How about you, Matt? What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking something very apropos for the subject matter of tonight, and that is, uh, and I had done a whiskey segment with this before a long time ago when we talked about Slayer, uh, but I'm drinking the Bloody Butcher bourbon from from New Liberty Distilling in Pennsylvania, and uh, it's just as I remember it, it's, you know, a huge buttered popcorn bomb. It's just so delicious and sweet, and... uh, you know, I haven't had it since then, so it really hasn't changed much since I had it last, and it's just as good as when I tried it the first time. So awesome. figured that figured what the name was apropos for tonight's subject matter. Totally, yep, definitely yeah, Halloween, Halloween bourbon. Hell yeah! All right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get into the whiskey segment. When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. Cause I might open my eyes and find someone standing there People say I'm crazy, just a little touched But maybe showers remind me of psycho That's why Okay, so for my whiskey pairing tonight um, We are going to be talking about, among other things, urban legends So when I was thinking about what are some famous urban legends in the world of whiskey. Well, probably one of the most famous is um, the story of Jack Daniels hmm. and how how he passed. Hmm. Um, now, Jack Daniel died from blood poisoning in Lynchburg on October 10th, 1911. And an oft-told tale is that the infection began in one of his toes, which he injured one morning at work by kicking the safe in anger when he couldn't get it open. And, um, you know, he was rumored to always have had trouble remembering the combination for the safe. So this was nothing unusual. Um, but, and the, the story goes, and this was even told when I went on the tour of the distillery. Um, but, if you do some fact checking, it turns out that um, the time he actually kicked the safe was about 1905 or 1906, and he actually died in 1911. So that's a long time for the gangrene to work its way up. Oh yeah, on the big toe. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's forever. That's so. To honor the urban legend of Jack Daniel's death, I have chose. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey for tonight's old number seven whiskey pairing. Old number seven, exactly. Mm-hmm. So wheat. Well, if I was drinking, I think that I probably would have gone with one of my blood oath samples that I still have left. That's kind of what I was planning. <laughs> so we'll just pretend that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> All right. So guys. Let's talk about some urban legends. It's a dead man's party. Who could ask for more? Everybody's coming. Leave your body at the door. Leave your body and soul at the door. I have been, um, I love urban legends and scary stories. Um, so I decided I would pick something from each of our states because we all live in different states so let's start with illinois first so this is the story of the italian bride so there's an elaborate marble statue of a woman in a wedding dress that is in this cemetery and um 
there's actually a photo plaque on the gravesite of a woman in a casket looking perfectly preserved, even though the inscription says that the photo was taken six years after she was buried. The body was exhumed. So um, nobody really knows why she looks like she's still in perfect condition, but they were so shocked by it that they took a photo of it. So ever since then, there have been reports of unusual activity um, around her gravesite. There's people will get the smell of fresh flowers. Um, people will see a ghostly white figure roaming the cemetery and then kind of going towards where her grave is with the big statue and then disappearing. So, um, the, what happened was in 1921, a recently married woman, Julia Bucola Petta died in childbirth and was buried in her wedding dress. Legend says that her mother immediately began experiencing nightmares that Julia was demanding her grave to be reopened. The source of the distress varies depending on the storyteller, often relating some sort of discontent with Julia's new husband. But what isn't in dispute is that six years later, the mother got her wish and Julia's grave was reopened. And um, the her condition and everybody like flipping out over it inspired the mother to raise funds to have the statue erected by her gravesite of her in the wedding dress, which is creepy as shit. Um, so ever since then, these reports have been coming in from unusual activity by her grave. So uh, I don't know. It's pretty fucking scary. I've never heard that one before. Have you heard about that one? Neither have I. Yeah. Actually, no. <clears throat> there was another one that I was going to bring up that um, is very probably the most famous one. In um, around the Chicagoland area, um, is I don't know. Maybe you guys have heard about it. I know there's one. Have you heard of about a Resurrection Mary? Mm-mm. Yes, okay. I think so. Resurrection yeah. Mary is huge in folklore around here. Um, it's a story of kind of like it's like the one of these vanishing hitchhiker kind of stories where the urban legend is based outside of Resurrection Cemetery in Justice, Illinois, which is in the um, um, south suburbs. And um, since, you know, since the 1930s, this goes back a ways, um, people driving along Archer Avenue between uh, the Willowbrook Ballroom and Resurrection Cemetery have reported picking up a young female hitchhiker and um, who was dressed in like a party dress and um, I've heard about this growing up my whole life, and I guess the story goes that she had spent the evening dancing with her boyfriend at the old Henry Ballroom. At some point, they got into an argument, and Mary stormed out, and even though it was a cold winter's night, she thought she would rather, you know, walk home in the cold than spend another minute with her, her boyfriend. And so, she was, eventually, she was walking up Archer Avenue, was killed by a hit-and-run driver, and who fled the scene, and then... You know, they buried her in Resurrection Cemetery, and ever since then, they talk about, you know, seeing her walking up and down Archer Avenue at night. No thanks. It's creepy. No. No No thanks. No thanks. Nope. Nope. I'm all set. Fuck that. (laughs) Oh, God. So, I've got another one here from Michigan. This one is about a place called Hell's Bridge. So, it seemed that there was this dude who was a deranged old preacher, and he had gathered up a bunch of children from the town and tethered them all together, and um, he took them into the woods, which is now Algoma Township. I don't know how you pronounce that. So, apparently, he slaughtered them one by one, all of these small children, and then threw them into Cedar Creek before he was caught by their parents, and they hanged him. But apparently before he died, he said he was possessed by demons. So Hell's Bridge is a creaky, narrow metal footbridge in the middle of the woods. And um, if you're brave enough to cross the bridge at night, people claim to hear voices and screams of small children. And sometimes they're greeted by a black figure with glowing eyes at the end of the bridge. No, that's, that's, that's mm. no thanks. So um, there's no record of an Elias Frisky that anyone can find in the area, though there was a Frisky family in the 1910s in the, in the area. Um, 
But still, despite the lack of hard facts, anyone who has visited the bridge will attest that there's something wrong out there, that it's a very creepy feeling. And um, you can feel the bridge shaking sometimes when, you know, you're just standing on it, you're not even moving. So, um, you know, no one can really find anything to back up this story, but doesn't mean it didn't happen. So, yeah. That's Again, my no thanks. Story. Yeah, no, I'm good. I don't want to <laughs> go on any no fucking bridge in the middle of the fucking night in the woods. I don't want to be in the woods in the middle of the night. Forget no, it. No, no fucking way. Um, so then, Matt, I've got one for you. So here's the Florida urban legend. All right, so the Everglades. The Everglades are already scary as fuck. I mean, you've got man-eating alligators and snakes and all kinds of crazy weirdos that live in the fucking swamps and ride those airboats and eat roadkill and just weird wrestle alligators just fucking weirdness they exist so yeah (laughs) apparently there is a human-like figure that has been spotted so many times that the police the police have actually been called so many times that they will tell people now oh that's probably just the skunk ape don't worry about it <laughs> I've heard about this. So yeah. I heard about skunk when ape. I was a kid and lived in Florida. I heard about the skunk ape. So it's said to be a relative of Bigfoot. It's a full-grown man thing um, that's anywhere from five to seven feet tall and weighs approximately four hundred and fifty <clears> pounds. So apparently, you smell the odor first, and it's, it's described as sun-baked animal carcasses or rotting garbage. They mostly hence, hence the skunk part. Yeah, yeah, they mostly eat berries and small animals, but uh, from time to time they've been known to actually um, go to farms and eat livestock and um, tear apart wild boars. So recently, a skunk ape HQ has popped up in the Everglades, where you can. <laughs> book tours out into the swamp um, on a hunting expedition to uh, finally prove that these hairy beasts really um, exist. Um, So people have said that they think that it was Bigfoot that migrated from the Appalachia and went down into the swamps or something like that. To get a tan, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they they just adapted to their environment. Um, But whatever, so whatever it is, there's definitely something that smells... There, there's been a lot of um, local documentaries and local news stories about this. And, something um, that smells in a swamp? I can't imagine. Well, I yeah. mean, like something moving around <laughs> that stinks like hell, like de- and like a creature moving around. But I don't know that it's upright or anything making it sus- Exactly, yeah. Skunk ape. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so I, your- <laughs> I, have one for, uh, I have one for New Jersey since I'm a new Florida resident. And New Jersey has their share of urban legends but real quick um one that you know is close to me because it was in the same town that i grew up in is clinton road do you guys hear about clinton road no no No. uh they actually made a they recently made a pretty low budget movie about it um but it's a 10 it's a 10 mile road which connects two major thoroughfares in northern new jersey um through west milford which is where i grew up and um you know, it's 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 a two lane road which weaves in and out of the woods, and it's pretty uninhabited. Really, no one lives on the road, and part of the road is actually not even paved. It's just dirt road. Like you get halfway through, and it turns to to dirt, and you know it goes over mm-hmm. a small bridge with a creek. And if there's a, a ghost story or a legend, it's tied in with that road. So I mean, everything from a ghost boy waiting for you at the bridge as you drive by because there was a small there was a small kid in the 1920s who apparently was out you know trying to fish off the bridge into a creek fell over and, and drown and apparently one of the legends is that um you know the boy will wave to you on the bridge as you cross the bridge at night you know there's reports of hellhounds there's reports of weird simian beasts that roam the woods <laughs> druidic temples back in the woods Druid um, temples. Druid oh, temples yeah. in the woods. Uh, the ghost cars that, you know, ride your bumper at night. You know, they come Ooh. up behind you. Um, Christine. Chris, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Christine. And, you know, probably my favorite, which is true, but it's, you know, it's it's obviously it's fact. It's not really legend, but the Iceman, the uh, mafia hitman actually used to dump. Iceman cometh? Yeah, the, yes, he used to dump his victims there. 
He oh would put boy. he would ah. he would put them on ice and then drive them out there and dump them because by putting them on ice it would slow the decaying process and they couldn't pinpoint the exact time of death. Hmm. So, and uh, he was he was eventually caught in I think 1986 uh, and he had dumped he had dumped an estimated I think he he admitted to dumping 20 to 25 bodies out there off the yeah. woods of Clinton Road exactly so um, that's a little bit of New Jersey there for you that's that's the one that always gets me and I've driven down the road before and it's tough not to think about all that stuff as you're driving so for sure but nothing ever happened nothing ever happened of course of course. <laughs> Yeah, in Chicago, the gangsters would just take him out in the middle of the thousands of acres of cornfields. Yeah, well, in New York, they were just dumping them in the rivers until exactly, there were too many yeah. bodies. Yeah, or <laughs> out, by, out by the Meadowlands where the Giants played, just dumping yeah, them in the marsh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I've got another one for Washington State now that I'm a Washington State resident. Doing Massachusetts, forget it. There's like a gazillion in Massachusetts. Like, that's Halloween Central State. Um, So I'm just going to use one from Washington. So there is a, there is a um, subterranean stairway in a cemetery. (laughs) Oh, there is, and it goes down to a tomb, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a very, very wealthy family that has their, um, what the hell are they called when they're all buried together? Crypt. Crypt, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they have an above-ground crypt, and then they have, for only one family member, there is 13 steps that are, cur- it's a curved kind of staircase that will take you to a tomb buried underground. 13 mm-hmm. steps. So just for one person. Just for one of the family members. I don't know what that motherfucker did, but it can't be anything good. Thir- 13 steps. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, cemetery has been around since 1901. The crypt's date itself has been lost. You can't you can't read it on there. You can't get an impression of it. Um but they think it's probably as it very uh very close in age to the when the cemetery was was created. Um so there, uh, there was st- there were another set of stairs that would take you when you came up. It would take you to one of the other crypts, kind of going over a bridge. But that was bulldozed for some reason. Um, they think maybe there was a storm or it just deteriorated too much. Um, so apparently, this is like a mecca for paranormal activity, and all these you know ghost hunters um, go here. And they say that if you go down the steps. Even if you're, so if you're with somebody, you go down the steps, you either get a glimpse of hell, you go to hell and come back, or you just die right then and there. So apparently, when you get you get to the bottom of the steps, you're still standing where you are, but your soul, kind of, you can turn around and look at yourself, you'll see your own body standing there while you're in the depths of hell, and then you get to come right back. So, I don't know. Uh... I don't think I would go down any steps in a cemetery, regardless mm. of if there was a story or not. I'm all set with that, thanks. Uh, especially if there are 13 of them and only one family member is down there. Yeah, that you just gotta wonder why me. they would go through all the time and expense of creating this whole separate, elaborate thing just for this one person. Obviously, they have to end some kind of a notoriety or something. Yeah, there's, well, a, it said there's they another were story. Very, yeah. Well, yeah, it says they were very, very wealthy, a very wealthy family. Yeah. But yeah, who the hell knows? There's got there's got to be some type of, you know, um, superstition thing or whatever. But the 13 Maybe. steps is what I find so interesting yeah. because in the early 1900s, that there, oh, that was all the rage, all that superstition. You know, uh-huh. you couldn't do anything 13. And um, when did they stop? When did they stop putting the string around the fingers? Attaching it to the bell. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I thought that was the early 1900s when they stopped doing probably. that. Probably it would have been. They did it through most of the time, 1800s. Yeah, that shit's yeah, scary. Probably early 1900s. When I learned about that, but just Say, in case listeners don't know, so there was <laughs> there was a rash of stories going around that people were buried alive, um, you know, or coming back from the dead or whatever, uh, and I think it's because they had. They had buried a a woman who was said to have, uh, they weren't sure what she died of, Um, and then the rest of the family came down sick and whatever, and I think they were trying to see if it was, like, smallpox or whatever. They, they, for some reason, they 
uh, exhumed her body so that the the it could be medically tested for whatever. And when they exhumed the body, there were scratches inside the coffin. Like she had definitely been trying to get out. Yeah. Well, what had been happening was, of course, I mean, if you use logic, you know, they, sometimes they would think people were dead and they weren't dead. You know, it happens. Yeah. So everybody, they would. You would tie a string around the finger, and um, there was this hole. It would be a hole through the coffin, and it would go up outside, outside of the ground, and there was this hole, like string. Yeah, like a pipe. Yeah. Going yeah. yeah. So, and there, so there was this whole network of strings above all the graves with bells, so that if you were to wake up in your coffin, you would move your hand and ring the bell. Well, my guess is once embalming had become a thing... They figure there's really no use. Well, that's yeah, that's that. the that's end true, of that. yeah. <laughs> for sure. But they weren't exactly. They were not embalming at the time. But can you just right. imagine being the fucking dude that takes care of the graveyard and waiting for one of those fucking bells to ring? Yep. And imagine no if you thanks. heard one of those bells. And I can imagine there would be like some kids, you know, like teenagers at night playing, playing in the graveyard, yeah. Yeah. the bells, and then running away. Hell yeah! <laughs> and well, that's, where, also, that's yeah, that's where the term "saved by the bell" comes saved from. Saved by the bell. Yep. Yes. Well, yeah. also morgues have the same thing. They have a pulley over them at like the certain level, like right when the body goes in the morgue, not like when it's in there for a while, because that's happened before too. People have been in this, those refrigerators for like two days. Oh yeah, and. You know, come alive. It happens. Or on the embalming table, basically. And yeah. It's happened, too. Yeah. 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 I, I, I no, saw thank the mommy movie with Tom Cruise. I know what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> there, is a, there is a scary movie with What's-His-Head from Train Spotting. Um, Ewan McGregor, is that his name? Yeah. I think it was him where he's like, he gets the job doing the night shift in the morgue because he's a, he's probably a med student or something. And... The person explains to him, okay, well, if you were to ever, this red, it's got like a red light, and it'll go like, uh, 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 if that ever goes off, that means one of the bodies has been reanimated. <laughs> like, you know, you got to rush down there, like, you know, call whoever and go help them or whatever. And so, yeah, it's this whole scary thing about that. And I just remember watching it and being like, no fucking way. <laughs> I well, before, no bells before we take a break, I got one, one little, actually real story. To tell you, it, we would go visit my grandparents. They lived in North Terre Haute, and there was this little family cemetery, and there was this little gravestone. There's there's a stone cemetery wall surrounding this, and there was a gravestone in front, right outside the wall on the ground, in front of the wall. It was like someone in the family. I guess they disliked so much that they wouldn't bury him inside the wall with everybody else. They were buried outside. Damn. <laughs> or they hated the family so much Rude. they said, when I die, bury me outside yeah. the wall. It could work both ways. That's really interesting. So you drive by the cemetery, you'd see this one little little flat gravestone just sitting outside the front of the wall. <laughs> that's man, really, that's rude. There's a, there's a story in there somewhere, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think we need to take a break. Yeah, let's take a break. I got to be. Let's do it. Yep. All right. Let's play some music. Bring you to a simmer right on time. Run my greasy fingers up your greasy spine. All right. We are back. We have. Emptied our bladders and filled our glasses. Now let's talk about some of our favorite songs from some scary movies. Yeah. Who wants to start? All right. So, um, first of all, um, since Jake isn't with us tonight, we're going to have to revisit when when Jake is back and go over his list because I know he was working really hard on it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Who wants to start? I'll start. Okay. For, I guess I'll start out with the more lighthearted one. The one I was racking my brain to try to figure out songs from um, scary movies. So first of all, I haven't seen a ton of scary movies. I've seen some, but there are very few who actually have memorable songs from them. But anyway, so my first song is Ghostbusters. <laughs> theme song. <laughs> from... 
the uh, 1984 movie Ghostbusters. And um, interesting that it, this was a hit song, and um, it number one on the Billboard Hot 100 on August 1984 and stayed there for three weeks, and at number two on the UK Singles Chart for three weeks. Um, it was also nominated for an Academy Award Best Original Song, but lost to Steve Winwood's. <laughs> I just or Stevie Wonder, sorry, not Steve Winwood. Stevie Wonder's. <laughs> I just called to say I love you. Oh, for now, sake. one interesting thing about the song I didn't realize, but now I can I can see, is that there was a lot of another plagiarism lawsuit uh, filed against um, by Huey Lewis in the News, which they actually <laughs> oh won. God. Because oh. they said it was plagiarized from "I Want a New Drug," and if you think about it, oh. um, yeah, maybe so there is a similar part in that song. Snap. So anyway, the uh, the next one I I put down was um, the song "Hellraiser," as performed by Motorhead. Nice. Yes. <laughs> for and it was used in the movie like Hellraiser Three, Hell on Earth. But this song was originally written by um, Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wild, and Lemmy Kilmister. The song was recorded by Osbourne for his 1991 album No More Tears, and also by Motorhead for their 1992 March or Die album. So the last two I have um, were both from. The uh, the movie The Lost Boys. I used to have that soundtrack on cassette. I loved that when soundtrack. I was younger. Loved I loved it. Listened. One of the best. Yeah, yep. me too. Me Absolutely. Too. So I, I picked a couple off there. Don't let the sun go down on me, as performed by Roger Daltrey, which of course was a famous Elton John mm-hmm. song. Great song. Yep. Um, and the next song was a um song written for the movie called Cry Little Sister. And yes. it was performed, um, according to the, the, the story I read, read here, it's a song written by Gerhard McMahon and Michael Manieri, performed by McMahon for the soundtrack for the film, and it peaked at number 15 on the Billboard 200, which is pretty good, I think, for a, yeah. you know, a song that's just written specifically for a movie. And because after hearing the track, uh, the director, Joel Schumacher, commented, you nailed you nailed my theme song to The Last Boys. I can't believe you wrote this without seeing a frame of the film. But the writer, McMahon, explained he said that if he had seen this film first, he probably wouldn't have written it, that that song. He said he didn't want to be the song to be specific to the vampire. He wanted it more about being um about the longing for a family from a rejected youth's perspective. So, anyway, it was kind of a happy, happy accident, I guess. That yeah, totally. Ended up uh, being that because I thought that that song fit into the movie very perfect. The, the mood of the song, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, who wants to go next? All right, I will go. Um, so, the first movie. And the first song I picked was actually the last one that you picked, Ed, and that was The Lost Boys. Um, but I went with uh, People Are Strange, which obviously the original version was recorded by The Doors. Uh, but on the soundtrack for The Lost Boys, it's recorded by uh, a little new wave British rock band called Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly yeah. never heard of them until the song. Really? And, what? you know, I never. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They, oh, well, in doing some research, they had had some big hits, so I was actually pretty I impressed. I love them. I've always yeah. been obsessed with them. So, if, if anyone there has seen this movie, and you're familiar with the song, you know that the vibe of the song, the lyrics of the song fit this movie absolutely perfectly. And it fits this movie perfectly on really two levels. Because uh-huh. number one, people are strange. You have three kids moving to a new or two kids moving to a new part of the country that they're not familiar with so yeah they're moving to a whole new life number one and number two the people that they meet end up being vampires in the end so it's (laughs) it's a cultural shock and then you meet people that you think are good but they're actually really vampires so i thought that was just it, it was a perfect song for that soundtrack for that movie and the movie itself is really 
I think it paints a pretty good picture of what I would imagine Southern California being at that time. Oh, yeah. Vampire, totally. Vampires aside, but I think that it's a nice <laughs> well, slice. I would include the vampires. Yeah, <laughs> you include the vampires. <laughs> but, van- but yeah, so I think that it, on many levels, the song works on, in so many ways. Um, the second one uh, is from a movie called Stir of Echoes, which came out in 1999, starring Kevin Bacon. I don't know if either of you guys have seen that. God, no. Yeah. I've heard of it. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, it came out in the shadow of another little horror movie that has a similar uh, plot called The Sixth Sense. Oh, so shit. it was Whoa. pretty pretty yeah. poor timing on Doom. Yeah, on, yes, totally. it was um, Even though oh, it was even though it was probably more of an adult, it's pro- probably more geared toward adults. But um, basically, the plot, real quick for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, after being hypnotized by his sister-in-law, a man begins seeing haunting visions of a girl's ghost, and a mystery begins to unfold around him. Um, and the soundtrack, the reason why I go to this is because it features one of my, probably my favorite Rolling Stone song, but it's covered by a Canadian punk rock band called Gob, and it's painted black. Um, nice. Yeah, so very sinister lyrics, obviously. The song, the Stones version, Painted Black, has been in a number of other movies. It's been, it was in Full Metal Jacket. It was in The Devil's Advocate mm-hmm. with Al Pacino. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's seen its share of screen time. Uh, but this version, covered by this band, it's it's fun. It's fast. It's catchy. Uh, and despite it being a little bit more upbeat, it actually, this version and the lyrics still fits kind of the newer age horror movie. Um, so I picked that for my second one. My third, and probably my favorite out of all this, because I'm a huge Stephen King fan, is Pet Cemetery, oh and my God. and the song Pet Cemetery by the Ramones. Um, it actually it's a very interesting story how this came to be because Stephen King is actually a huge Ramones fan, and mm-hmm. the song was actually written by Dee Dee Ramone to be in the movie after Stephen King had actually given Dee Dee a copy of the Pet Cemetery novel and he read it and he wrote the song in, in an afternoon and presented it to Stephen King. It actually never made it onto the soundtrack. It is in the movie uh, very briefly in one of the scenes where one of those huge tractor trailers drive by the house when they first move mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. you can hear this. You can hear the song playing on the the radio in the truck. Radio in the truck. Okay. Yes, yes. Did you know that the remake they've made? Uh, they remade that movie. Yes, and yes. and I, I saw a uh, trailer for it. I couldn't believe it. Ridiculous. Well, no. Uh, well, wait, wait a second. John Lithgow was playing yeah. Fred Gwynn's character. I, I I put this on my Facebook because I'm not a huge fan of remakes. I actually hate remakes. Most remakes. Me too. But I think that. If they don't deviate from the original story, this should be a movie that younger people should see. Because even to this day, this movie still terrifies me. Fuck <laughs> as yeah. An adult, as an Are adult. you kidding me? Yes. The, I walked, scared I, the Jesus out of me. I yes. walked oh, out of the theater. Oh I actually walked out of the theater when they knocked over the baby's coffin and the little boy's yes. body falls out. I was like, that's it. I'm out. I mean, I was like 19 at the time or 18. I can't even remember. But I was so... I think that horrified me more. I've never... I'm a, I'm a scary cat. I don't do scary movies, typically. I like to be scared, but I like the old-style horror movies, you know, like the old Draculas and Wolfman, because and, you don't see anything, you know? Mm-hmm. But the disturbing shit is what I have a hard time watching. Like, I've never watched any of the Saw movies, because I don't want to watch human suffering as entertainment. That's just torture porn. It's disgu- yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, that's all it is. But... I wa I when I saw the little kid's body, I was like, okay, I'm at, and I my friends, I think two of the, two of them looked at me and they were like, I'm so glad you got up. I'm like, get get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, it, I did just, end up watching it, of it course, plays, later, yeah, but yeah, it plays on so many different because you're dealing with kids and you're dealing with death and you're dealing with animals and, and you're dealing with death, yeah, and you know you're de- dealing with the afterlife. So on so many different levels, subconsciously. It's just a completely terrifying movie, and I still get like goosebumps when I watch it nowadays. And really, no other movie has really done that for me. That's one movie that I don't think I'd ever go back to. Not just not because I think I would be scared by it again. It's that I'd probably watch it now and think it was super cheesy, and I'd be like, I'd rather have the memory of being scared out of my wits. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, leave it at that. Yeah. All right. So my final movie, and it's a very important movie in at least the slasher 
genre slash horror genre. And usually I get people who either really love this movie or they really hate it. Uh, but that's mm. Scream. That's Scream. That's the original mm. Scream in 1996. Um, it's a slasher film like it's brethren before, you know, Halloween, Friday the 13th. But it was actually it really moved the genre forward in the in the way that it presented itself. And what I mean by that is it actually used sort of satire and like black yeah. comedy yeah. to play on those previous movies yeah. and actually used it in the movie and it was still terrifying. So that's what makes that very unique and kind of changed the genre um, at a time when the genre really needed it actually. Uh, but the song I picked from that was a cover of Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper, which is performed by Gus Black. And it's an acoustic version of it, very melodic, very toned down. And it's ironic its place in the film when it plays. Uh, it's near the beginning of the film when the main character, Sydney is actually talking with Billy, who ends up at the end being one of the two serial killers. And it plays there, and um, there's a... There was a movie critic who wrote a pretty good, quick little couple sentences about it. Um, he says, an ironic comment on the brutality we have just seen in the opening sequence, if you can remember the opening sequence of the movie. More importantly, however, the allusion to the Blue Oyster Cult classic recast the song's title by liter literalizing its meaning. While the title itself invokes the Reaper as a popular symbol for death, the film presents us with an actual person who not only dresses as the Grim Reaper, but also unleashes homicidal vengeance on the other characters in the film. The irony here, of course, is that Billy himself proves to be one of the film's dual slashers as a, and is in fact the Reaper to be feared. So I thought that was kind mm. of ironic and cool in a weird way. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are my four right. picks. Yeah. Well, nice. Speaking of Stephen King, I don't know if you guys read what happened recently but i follow him on twitter and he created a twitter storm he tweeted that he thought the new haunting of hill house that has come out on netflix he called it genius or i think he might have said it was almost genius something like that rave review coming from stephen king so of course i was like all right we're, we're gonna have to watch this we gotta watch mm -hmm. this so we started watching it yesterday and it's a se it's it's broken up into like a series. Um, I never watched the original one, so I have no idea because I you know. And at first we were like, ah, it seems kind of like cheesy in a way. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, good. Then I'll be able to watch it. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> we had to turn it off halfway through. I think the third, second, or third one because I was like, I can't, I can't anymore. <laughs> I need a break from it. And last night I woke up at like four in the morning to go pee. And I kind of looked around and thought about these couple of scenes. And I was like, I don't want to go in the bathroom by myself now. <laughs> <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. So I highly recommend it. Um, so one of the first songs that came to mind when I was going to make this list was American Girl from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> oh. I mean... There's never been a moment since that movie that when I hear that song that I don't immediately think of that scene. I mean, just in a way ruined the song for me, but it's all, I don't know, it's also kind of fun. Like that w just creeps me the fuck out. The minute I hear American Girl, I think it puts the lotion in the basket or it gets oh, the geez. hose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, probably the best horror movie i've seen recently is actually isn't a recent movie but i recently watched um the shining so good oh yeah so good so and good. now that i think about it, there was like a uh i don't know people point out this like as a mistake and it is kind of a mistake about when he goes to the bar and he asks for a bourbon and he gets handed jack daniels yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know i love i know i love that so all right so um we're going to start off with the song Trick or Treat from the 1986 movie Trick or Treat. Okay. So the premise of the movie is that a teenager is haunted by the evil ghost of his hero who was in a metal band. Of course, the kid's a total outcast. He's the biggest nerd. Um, even his mom, he's a weirdo. Even his mom's a weirdo. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. It's, it's such a bizarre, hilarious movie. I freaking love it. Um, but the band... Okay, it was the Fastways, the actual band, who wrote the music for the 
the whole soundtrack and that song. And it's Fast Eddie Clark from Motorhead who created oh. the band. Um, so, and Ozzy Osbourne and Alice Cooper make appearances in the movie. And you guys, Ozzy is so amazing. He actually poses as one of the guys in Tipper Gore's little censorship army. Oh my god! And he's got his—he's got his hair slicked back, and he's like, um, "I just—I have to tell you, the the themes and the tones are quite disgusting." And oh, it's <laughs> find that scene on YouTube. It is so oh, worth man. it. It's fucking amazing. And the lead, um, the lead character, the guy in the film is Skippy from Family Ties. Ed, you know who that is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so to see him like this, but it's the thing about the movie is there's a drinking game where you have to, um, I think you can, you might still be able to find it online, but you have to find all of the bands. So there are posters all over his walls. There's several times where there's record collections being thumbed through. There's a scene where he goes to the radio station, to the DJ booth. So, you know, there's Judas Priest posters somewhere. There's an Iron Maiden this, his T-shirts. So you're supposed to, like, pick up all the bands that appear in the movie in some form or another, which is pretty cool. When was that movie released? 1986. 86, all right. I I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, you should definitely see it. I think I think I do have to now. Yeah. You have to see it, and do it, I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to laugh the whole time. It's 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 horribly made in a wonderful, wonderful way. It's <laughs> one of those movies, so don't take anything seriously. It's hysterical. Um, the next one I chose is Fright Night, the title track of Fright Night, 1985. This song was actually performed by the Jay Giles band, which I've always thought was so strange. <laughs> um, the original 10-track soundtrack album was uh, released on um, LP and cassette in 1985, and then the album was officially reissued in December of two. 2016 on cd format and it actually sold ridiculously well um a promotional video for the title song by jay giles band was made which utilized a lot of clips from the film and received airplay on friggin mtv when they reissued it too um and it's funny because the visual effects producer uh richard edland he had just finished up working on Ghostbusters, and then he got hired to do this film, which had a much lower budget. So when they started to begin work much on lower. it, much lower. He was like, oh, <laughs> hey, we're going to recycle a bunch of shit. And one of the things that they recycled was the one of the library ghosts they had created for Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because they said it was too scary for the PG movie. So it ended up um, as a vampire in Fright Night. So I always thought that was really funny. Um <laughs> So the next one I chose is Deo, the Banana Boat song from Beetlejuice. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So um, the song was released in 1957 by Harry Belafonte. Beetlejuice came out in 1998. Um, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, it's, there, it's when they're sitting around the dinner table and... Um, you know, they're, he's trying to tell them that, you know, we've got a ghost in the house, these ghosts in the house, and this is what's happening. And all of a sudden, Beetlejuice starts possessing them and making, making them all sing the song, Deo, Deo. Oh, my God, so funny. Um, so most of the soundtrack was done by Danny Elfman, except for a few Harry Belafonte songs, like also Jump in the Line was another one that was on the soundtrack. But there were two other in the movie that didn't make it to the soundtrack. It was Man Smart and Woman Smarter and Sweetheart from venezuela um and did you know that danny elfman was in oingo boingo did you know that Ed? i did not know did that. not know that I, no I, that's cool there, it was about a year ago i i someone i don't know how that came up and i was like mind blown you yeah, know no kidding. also this is hysterical so oingo boingo was actually started by danny elfman's older brother and then he, i think he went on to like do producing and said here take over this band they appeared on the gong show <laughs> that's kind of how they got a following wow. isn't that amazing oh man <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love i love doing no, i think it's i think it's safe to say that and jake would probably agree with me i think anyone under the age of 35 would know that song harry belafonte song just from that movie Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not ashamed to say that that's the first time I ever heard it, and I always equate yeah. that song with that movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. The only reason I knew the song before the movie is that my my grandparents had the album, 
you know, it was released in the 50s. And um, they would have, they used to have, uh, they were entertainers. They would have dinner parties and cocktail parties. And, you know, they would put on all their shit from the 50s and 60s. And that album was one of them. So I yeah. knew all the songs on the album because I really, for a kid, that's a, that's a fun song, you know? Yeah. A lot of his songs are fun. They're very up fun songs. So, yeah. Um, so my last pick of the night, I chose, I had to choose something from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, there's actually so many movies I wanted to choose, but they were all more total soundtracks as opposed to just songs that would be identifiable, you know? Um, so I really wanted to go with actual songs. So Run Nancy is what I chose from 1984, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, it was Charles Bernstein who created uh, the song, and he did soundtracks for The Entity, Cujo, Rumpelstiltskin, and April Fool's Day. Um, so it, this was a very, very low-budget film. So everything he did was electronic. He couldn't afford to get musicians in or sound, you know, get get a studio time or anything like that. Um, but the movie earned its entire budget back in the first week that it came out in the theaters. Um, and it was, this was Johnny Depp's first debut in, in movies. That's right. Um, and Wes, another interesting, uh, thing about this movie that you guys may or may not know, Wes Craven decided to make a nightmare on Elm Street after reading a series of LA times articles about a group of teenage immigrants who, after moving to the U S from refugee camps, they died in their sleep after suffering from and complaining about disturbing nightmares for weeks on end, and all of them died in their sleep. Un- unknown cause of death. Wow, that's freaky. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Freddy Cougar with the win. And there you have it. All right. Those are Freddy my choices. Freddy Cougar. The thing about that movie is there's, there's so much humor in there. Oh, God, That's yeah. one that you know, even if you're uh, you're kind of sensitive to scary movies, you could probably stand. Oh yeah, that totally, one, totally. Sure. Yeah. I think if, yeah. you think about the two major horror movie franchises at that time. So you're talking Friday the Thirteenth with a killer who doesn't talk at all and really has nothing to say, right. versus yep. Freddy Krueger, who is the exact yeah. opposite. Yep, exactly. he's just a bunch of cracking one-liners. He's yes. cracking yes. one-liners. He's very yeah. psychological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And I also, I just recently watched um, Nightmare on Elm Street, and damn, it does not age well. I'm just, I'm sorry to say that it just doesn't. Um, the last one, I think, did. It, that, that one ages pretty well, but the first one's a little, it's pretty rough. It's mm. pretty rough to, rough to watch. Well, it, they probably had a fairly low budget to work with. They did. It was such a low effects, budget you know, for so, everything. Yeah. yeah. yeah but yeah. Nancy is so fucking annoying. God, I wanted to smack her <laughs> in her stupid face so many times. God, she sucks. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, so that is our scary movie soundtrack. So I'm going to put all these songs together and create a Spotify soundtrack. And we'll add in a couple couple of bonuses in there of our favorites. And um, that way, the listeners, you can find them. Just uh, follow me on Spotify, Sailor Retro. And um, you can find all of my playlists. And I will call this one um, MRW Halloween Playlist. Yeah, we'll probably put it on Facebook, too, so everyone can yeah, see it. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Well, that was awesome, you guys. Thanks so much for um, for participating in this. And I'm so sorry Jake wasn't here. We'll get his list and um, have him put it up in the Facebook group as well. And so if you enjoyed listening to this, we would ask you to please join us next week. We'll be back for another episode of the Metal Rock and Whiskey podcast. But until that time, and before we get out of here... Um, would anyone like to talk about what they've been listening to lately or watching whatever? I've just been, honestly, I've been, was the whole past two weeks, I've been almost nonstop scary movie soundtracks trying to figure (laughs) out because there were so many options. There were so many easy go-tos. And so, um, and I do start watching all my favorite, like my version of scary, (laughs) scary stuff. I start October 1st because the whole month is Halloween month. So that's that's all I've been doing. Matt? 
Well, nothing really new, but, um, you know, branching off from one of our last episodes, I've been digging a little deeper into uh, Jim Florentine's uh, back catalog of um, podcast episodes. God, he's so fucking funny. He's so <laughs> if funny. You, if you listeners haven't heard our um, our episode, the Napster episode with Jim Florentine, please check it out. Um, I listen to a lot of um, you know stand up comics who have their own podcasts, and even guys that I like. There can sometimes I can feel sort of an air of bullshit there sometimes, but with him I just feel like it's just him being him, and it's just funny as fuck. It really is. So go check it out. It's a comedy metal midgets, Jim Florentine. Okay. Well, as for myself, um, I lately have been actually it's on once a week. So this has been going on for about three weeks now. I've been watching the new season of doctor who i don't know if either of you guys are into doctor who as well no but uh it's a new it's a it's a pretty big season for the first time the doctor is being played by a female yep um jody whitaker and so i was really interested to see how she would do filling the doctor's shoes and i have to say um kind of liking what i'm seeing so far i'm sure that there's room for her to grow in it but uh so far not too bad we're uh, about three shows in i'm I'm excited i was a my doctor our doctor original doctor is probably the same ed um Tom baker was with the curly hair yeah 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 scarf yes 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 (laughs) yes and i remember i have this i don't know why i had this memory sticks out with me but um we I must have been around 10 years old, 10 or 11, and I was sitting, my mom's cooking dinner, and I'm sitting in the living room watching TV, and we used to call it the witching hour, right before dinner when my sister would start to get fussy when she was a baby, but the Muppets would come on and like save the day, the Muppet show. <laughs> so, but, uh, but Doctor Who always came on before it. And if you guys have not seen this Doctor Who, you have to just listen to the freaking music. Look at, just look at, it was so weird. She goes, she walks in, she's like, what in the hell kind of weird shit is this you're watching? I'm like, like, it's Doctor Who. I didn't even know what the fuck was going on. I didn't understand the premise, but I was obsessed with it. Um, And then I abandoned it completely. Wasn't interested until David Tennant. Because he could read the phone book and I'd be interested. I'd pay to watch it. Um, yeah. So I kind of picked it up there, but I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place. I'm going to have to make that like a wintertime thing that I go back and get myself totally caught up. Because I, yeah. do, I do really want to see this new season. Yeah, I love what they've done with the theme music. Every season or every couple of seasons seems like they kind of rescore the theme song. A little bit. Um, it's gen- it's basically the same tune, but this current season, it's very reminiscent of like, you know, back in like the early '80s, you know, nice. late '70s, early '80s Doctor Who theme. <laughs> that takes me right back. I love the yep. way they've done it. It's it's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. All right. All right, Matt. Why don't yeah. you get us out of here? And I'll bring you home. All right. So to all of our listeners, our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. Yours truly at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Ed. They can also find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. Sailor? You can find me as Sailor Retro all over the internet. And you can find Jake as Bourbon.Spartan on Instagram as well. And just a couple shout outs. I'd like to give a shout out to our friends at Please Excuse My Dead Aunt Sally, another hilarious, awesome podcast, um, Scotch Test Dummies. And um, if you guys have not gone to Scotch Troopers' uh, Patreon page recently, I suggest you check it out. He's got some he's got some updates and some new things coming up that sound very exciting. So stay tuned for that as well. All right, I would also like to give one shout out 
Shout out to my brother-in-law's band. I probably should have done this last episode, but better late than never. Uh, the band, they're out of uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, four times stronger. They do actually the metal riff that you hear in our new segments coming in and going out. And they also uh, played the song um, called The Undead I put at the end of our previous episode, episode 42. Or was that? No, that'd be 43 now. Anyway, (laughs) shout out to those guys. Four times stronger, the number four times stronger. You can find them on... Was it Reverb Nation? They have a page. You can listen to their music. And I believe they're also on Facebook, too. Sweet. So look them up. Thanks, guys. Awesome. All right. This was a lot of fun, guys. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. But now, as Jake would say, my glass is empty. And it's time to go. Be sure to tip your waitress. We're out. Fuck you, Lars. Goodbye. Uh, 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 Later, uh. everyone. (laughs) 